the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The WLCC, Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Download the Faith Talk Tampa app. Or listen on TuneIn and Odyssey. The following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre-recorded. Those who will not endure sound doctrine are people in local churches, people who claim to know Christ. And they're the ones, Paul said, who are going to accumulate for themselves teachers to tickle their ears. And what he means by that is teachers who will tell them messages that feel good. They'll tell them what they want to hear to make them feel good. These are religious people, but unsaved people. And they're going to, at some point, turn away from the truth to listen to myths. Therefore, because that's coming, it's already come, but in Paul's day it was coming in the church. Paul tells Timothy that while at the present time there are people in local churches who will still listen to him, it hasn't reached a point yet where they have what now we would call Christendom, where you have lots of churches who are liberal, don't preach the gospel, don't care about the gospel. But in Timothy's day, while that still existed, and people listen to you in local churches, he's telling him to preach the word. In and out of season means there is no out of season. Preach the word all the time. In doing so, Paul said, you are to do the work of an evangelist and therefore fulfill your ministry. you have heard the phrase, be instant, in season and out of season. Well, that means there is no off season to the gospel. We are to preach or give the gospel all the time. In doing so, Paul said, you are to do the work of an evangelist and therefore fulfill your ministry. We are ready to continue in our Unity and Spiritual Growth series today with our teacher, Pastor Steve Kreloff. In the last few sessions, we've learned about spiritual leaders that Christ has placed in His church for the building up of the saints. So far, we've learned about apostles, prophets, and evangelists. And today, Pastor Steve continues by teaching us about two prominent evangelists, Philip and Timothy. So let's settle in and see what our teacher has for us today. The only other time we see the word evangelist used in the New Testament is in connection with Timothy, Paul's young protege, his disciple. Here's what we read, 2 Timothy chapter 4, starting in verse 1. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, 
but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Timothy's ministry was that of an evangelist. Now, what's interesting about these verses, in fact, fascinating, in which Paul charges Timothy to preach the word is that this preaching is to be done and conducted in the context of the local church. Those who he's talking about are church people, not saying necessarily saved people, but church people. Those who will not endure sound doctrine are people in local churches, people who claim to know Christ. And they are the ones, Paul said, who are going to accumulate for themselves teachers to tickle their ears. And what he means by that is teachers who will tell them messages that feel good. They'll tell them what they want to hear to make them feel good. These are religious people, but unsaved people. And they're going to, at some point, turn away from the truth to listen to myths. Therefore, because that's coming, it's already come, but in Paul's day it was coming in the church, Paul tells Timothy that while at the present time there are people in local churches who will still listen to him, it hasn't reached a point yet where they have what now we would call Christendom, where you have lots of churches who are liberal, don't preach the gospel, don't care about the gospel. But in Timothy's day, while that still existed, and people listened to you in local churches, he's telling him to preach the word. In and out of season means there is no out of season. Preach the word all the time. In doing so, Paul said, you are to do the work of an evangelist and therefore fulfill your ministry. So what do we learn from this? Well, we learn from these two examples of a New Testament evangelist, Philip and Timothy, is that an evangelist is a man who proclaims the gospel of Jesus Christ, sometimes in the context of a local church like Timothy and sometimes out of the context of a local church in a community like Philip did. Now, all of us are to be witnesses. If you know Christ, you are to be a witness for him. And in that sense, we are all responsible to evangelize the lost. But someone who is an evangelist has been specifically gifted by the Lord, gifted in the sense that he would be effective in his ministry of evangelizing. In other words, someone who is gifted as an evangelist has been given by God a special ability in clearly and effectively communicating the gospel to unbelievers. That's what an evangelist has been gifted to do. But in determining what the work of an evangelist is, as defined by the New Testament, it's this. An evangelist is a man who does what we would call today the work of a missionary, specifically a church planter. He's a man who goes into a community. He tells people about Christ He witnesses about Christ. He builds relationships with people and tells them about the Lord with the hopes of leading some of these people to Christ and then planting a church, a local church in that community. See, Timothy's ministry at the church of Ephesus, that's where he was. That's where he was located. He was at a church. Paul had left him there. And the fact that his work of an evangelist was to preach the word 
to people who would be in churches tells us that the work of an evangelist is to take place in church planting. At least that's the goal. He comes into a community, shares the gospel, but his goal is to plant a church. And as a church planter, his job then, having established a church in a community, he stays there for a while with the purpose of grounding these new believers, because they would all be new believers, essentially, in the faith, and then he moves on. He's not permanent in that sense. He moves on to another community where they need the gospel, and he does the same thing over again. In fact, I don't know of any better illustration than our missionary, Paul Davis, who was just here last week. We may call him a missionary, and we call him a church planter. He's really an evangelist. I don't even know if he's ever called himself that, but he does the work of an evangelist. That's an example of what a New Testament evangelist does, and that he plants churches. His role is to be a leader in every church he has planted, but Paul's goal and I believe this is biblical, is to work himself out of a job. He trains other leaders. He stays there for a few years, and then he moves on and plants another church. He builds the church up to the point where now more permanent leaders come in, those men known as pastors, and they continue the work of building up the church. It's as if the evangelist hands the baton over to a pastor and says, I've done my work in building them to a certain point. Now, I move on, you take over. That brings us then to the fourth and final category of men that Paul says are gifts from Christ to his church, those who are called pastors. Paul says, and he gave some as pastors and teachers. Now, as you can see, the way this reads in our English Bibles, it appears as if Paul is referring to two kinds of gifted men, pastors and teachers. However, the way this reads in the Greek New Testament is that the word some is before apostles, it's before prophets, it's before evangelists, it's before pastors, but it is not before teachers. And this has led many New Testament scholars to believe that Paul never intended teachers to be a separate category of gifted men. But rather what he was saying is that Christ has given some men to his church who are, note this, teaching pastors. In other words, the gifted men he's speaking about are pastors who are teachers. Or you can put it this way, they are teaching shepherds. I use the word shepherd deliberately, specifically, because this is the only time here in Ephesians 4, verse 11, that this particular Greek word, is translated in our English Bibles as pastor. Every other time in the New Testament this word comes up, it is always translated shepherd. And that's not a minor issue, and I'll tell you why. The reason I say it's not a minor issue is because it gives, if you use the term pastor, it gives the impression that the term pastor is a title, as in Pastor Steve, or any other of the pastors here, when in reality, it's not a title. It's a function. It's the function of shepherding. It's a function of being a shepherd. It's not a title. It describes the work that a man does. You see, what Paul is talking about are men who have been given teaching gifts by Christ in order to function as shepherds in 
the local church. And the way they shepherd the church primarily is by teaching the church the word of God. See, unlike the New Testament evangelists, those men move around. They plant churches and then they move around. But a pastor, teacher, doesn't really do that. He's supposed to stay in a place. He stays in a local church. He teaches the flock so that the ministry of the word is a continuing ministry to the flock. That would not be the case with an evangelist. His job, as I said, is to work himself out of a job and repeat the same process in some other place. But a pastor stays in a place and teaches the congregation. And in case you're wondering, where does the term elder or bishop fit into pastoral leadership? It just says pastor teachers. What about elders? What about bishops? I want you to know both of these are not different leadership positions. There's no such thing as pastor over here, and then you have some who are elders over here, or even the term bishops, or sometimes translated overseer. But they're just different ways, different words of speaking of the same leader in the church, commonly known as a pastor or shepherd. See, the word elder is a reference to someone who is older. And in the context of church leadership, it means someone who is spiritually mature, not necessarily chronologically old. In other words, it refers to his character as a mature Christian man, regardless of his age. The word bishop, sometimes translated overseer, means exactly what it says, to oversee. That's what the word means, to be a guardian. He oversees the church. A bishop is one whose job is to oversee the church, to guard it, to lead the church. And both of these terms, elder and bishop, are used in the New Testament to speak of those who pastor the church. They're all the same leadership position, just different titles to express different things. For example, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, Paul lists about 20 qualifications for an elder. But in Titus chapter 1, he lists basically the same qualifications, and he speaks there of elders who are overseers. So, for example, in 1 Timothy 3, verses 1 and 2, we read, it's a trustworthy statement. If any man aspires to the office of an overseer, just think of the word bishop. It's the same Greek word, bishop, overseer. It's a fine work he desires to do. An overseer then, and he lists these qualifications, must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, temperate, prudent, respectable, hospitable. Notice this, able to teach. He mentions others. I just read that. But in Titus chapter 1, verses 5 and 7, we read this. For this reason, I left you in Crete, that you would set in order what remains and appoint, notice this, elders in every city as I directed you. Well, I will read verse 6 because he says here, namely, if any man is above reproach, the husband of one wife, having children who believe, not accused of dissipation or rebellion. These are the same qualifications, basically, that he mentions in 1 Timothy. But here he says, appoint elders in every city. But notice verse 7, for the overseer must be above reproach as God's steward, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not addicted to wine, not pugnacious, not fond of sordid gain. Notice he calls them elders and then he calls them overseers. He's using those terms synonymously. In Paul's mind, which is the mind of the Spirit of God giving it to him, elders and overseers or bishops are the same. Then in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, we read, Therefore I exhort the elders, notice, elders among you, as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, 
and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed, what does he tell the elders? Shepherd the flock of God amongst you, because elders are shepherds. Exercising, watch this, oversight. Oversight is related to being an overseer, not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness. So here in Peter, you have elders used synonymously with shepherds or pastors, and it's used synonymously with overseers or bishops. So he's exhorting elders to shepherd and oversee the church. But I think what's really helpful is Acts chapter 20, verse 17, and then verse 28. This is Paul's farewell address to the elders of the church at Ephesus. He has called them to Miletus, and he's giving them his final words. We read this, from Miletus he sent, verse 17, to Ephesus and called to him the elders of the church. So who did he call? He called the elders. Here's what he said to them. He said a number of things, but I'm just jumping to verse 28. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you what? Overseers, but they're elders. Yes, but they're overseers. And what are they to do? To shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. So he's talking to elders, telling them that the Holy Spirit has called them to be overseers, and they are to do the work of shepherding the church of God. See, here's the thing you want to keep in mind. All elders are pastors. If a church is going to follow the biblical pattern in teaching, all elders are pastors. And all of them are to teach God's word as pastor teachers. There's no hierarchy. They're all to teach God's word as pastor teachers. There's to be no such thing as an elder who has not been gifted in the area of teaching God's word. In fact, in 1 Timothy 5.17, we read this. The elders who rule well, and notice there's a plurality, who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. There are some who would be what we would call full-time elders, full-time pastors who work hard. They labor in the word and doctrine. Not all elders can do that because of time constraints, but what Paul is really saying is all elders preach and teach. Some just preach and teach more. Paul specifically says that elders are to preach and teach. And one of the qualifications, I just read it earlier, but went over it very quickly for 1 Timothy 3, is that an elder is to be able to teach. That means he's gifted in teaching the word. This is why when we read about local churches in the New Testament, we almost always read that they had a plurality, plural group of elders who led the church by teaching the flock. And there's a very good reason for this as we'll see next time we study this. But I'm going to give you a hint. The one thing that ties together the ministry of apostles and prophets and evangelists and teaching shepherds, the one thing they all have in common is that their ministry involves the teaching of the Word of God. That's the one thing that ties them together. All of these men have been gifted to teach and communicate God's truth to the church which ought to tell you how important Bible teaching really is in a local church. Jesus gave apostles and prophets to his church in order to provide the doctrine upon which we now build our lives. But their work, as I said, it was temporary. 
And so with the completion of the New Testament, the office of apostle and prophet passed away. We'll see them in heaven, but they're gone. But Christ also has given evangelists and pastor teachers now, and their job is to explain the inspired words of the apostles and prophets. That's what they do. They simply explain it. They don't add to it. They don't take away from it. They explain it. They teach it, and they apply it. So what they're doing is they're teaching the New Testament, the words of the apostles and prophets. And that's why evangelists and pastor teachers continue today as gifts to Christ's church because their job is ongoing. There's always a need to explain scripture by teaching. In doing so, they do a great service to the church, as we'll see next time. This is how Christ blesses his church. Listen, it is a thrill to be a part of a local church. I've been a part of this local church from the time I was in college, long before I was a pastor here. But it is a thrill to be a part of a local church because Christ is the head of the church and he loves the church and he blesses the church by giving to his church men who are gifted, not just one, but many who are gifted to teach the word of God. So I would urge you, I would urge you, Be committed. If this is your church, be committed to this church. If this is not your local church, be committed wherever you are a member. And if you're not a member, then become a member because membership speaks of commitment and service and a submission to the leadership and a unity and a heart that says we are in agreement with what you teach and believe. And then membership means you serve. You're involved in serving because that's why God has given you a spiritual gift. Pastors and evangelists are going to come along and help you with that gift so that you'll use your gift as a mature believer in a mature way. But we'll see that more next time as we study this. But if Christ is not your Savior, if Christ is not your head, if Christ is not your Lord, then you don't need a spiritual gift. You need the gift of eternal life. And that gift is offered to you in Christ You just trust him. Repent of your sin, trust him, and his death on the cross for salvation. And you will receive the gift of eternal life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that Jesus Christ is the head of the church. We're not an organization trying to figure it out. We have a head, and he has blessed his church with leaders who are equipped to equip the church. Lord, I thank you that at Lakeside you have given us so many godly men who are elders to teach and equip and care and shepherd this church. But we all come under your headship, Lord. We're simply under shepherds to you, the great shepherd. And I pray that as we've outlined tonight, those who you have given as gifts to your church, I pray that you'll help it to be clear in our people's minds about what apostles have been, prophets have been, what evangelists are what pastor teachers are. I pray that at Lakeside, all of our congregation will look upon our elders as genuine pastors who shepherd them and love them and will someday give an account to you for the way they shepherded and led the church. Lord, I pray for all of our people to be active as members committed to this local body, serving you, I pray that you will help them, Lord, to not be lazy, but be diligent in serving you, realizing that this is our time. This is our time, and we are to redeem the time for the days 
are evil. I pray, Lord, for any here without Christ, that soon they'll have him, that you'll create in them, Lord, life and a thirst for you, and you'll bring them to yourself. And Lord, I pray for those who come sometimes Sunday nights who this isn't their church. I pray that they will be a great blessing wherever they are in a local church and that they'll serve and be a blessing to their pastors. And so I pray, Lord, help us to do our part as a local church in loving you and following our leaders. And for those who lead here, Lord, I pray you'll help us to be faithful to expound the words, the inspired words of the apostles and prophets. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Today on our verse-by-verse program, Pastor Steve spent a lot of time talking about the final category of spiritual leaders given to the church by Christ. That is the pastor-teacher. Evangelists and pastor-teachers explain the Word of God. They teach it and they apply it. So what they're doing is they're teaching the New Testament, the words of the apostles and prophets. And that's why evangelists and pastor-teachers continue today as gifts to Christ's church because their job is ongoing. There will always be a need to explain scripture by teaching and that is what Pastor Steve Kreloff has been doing on our verse-by-verse program. If you are in the Clearwater, Florida area, you can also hear Pastor Steve as he preaches on Sundays at Lakeside Community Chapel. For more information, please check out lakesidechapel.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.